Hello for the King listeners. I am not your host, Rocky Ramsey. My name is Will Drzymski, a brother in Christ and friend of Rocky's whom he has generously invited onto the show in order to verbally showcase my artwork to you in 50 seconds. As an artist, I strive to accurately reflect the glory of God in everything that I paint, and through that process, I hope to flood as much of the earth as possible with paintings which accurately proclaim the undeniable fact that Jesus is Lord and the creation which he made commands us to worship him. So if you would like to join with me in distributing clean, refreshing artwork showcasing the creativity of the God who made us, I would be overjoyed to have your help. I run my own website called Reflected Works, where I showcase the artwork I've done in the past, sell original paintings and prints, and take requests for unique commissions. Once again, that's reflectedworks.com, all one word, and I'm looking forward to helping you further the kingdom of God right now here on this earth by putting some of your free wall space to productive use. Thank you very much for your kind attention, and now enjoy the show. Don't think I will even ask you to make Jesus Lord of your life. That's the most preposterous thing I could ever tell you to do. Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Whether you serve him or not, whether you bless him, curse him, hate him, or love him, he is the Lord of your life because God has given him a name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. Some of you will bow out of the grace that has been given to you and others will bow because your kneecaps will be broken by the one who rules the nations with a rod of iron. And I'll not apologize for this God of the Bible. Welcome to the For the King podcast, where we proclaim the edicts of the king, namely and chiefly that Yahweh reigns. This is your host, Rodley Ramsey, and I am <laughs> with, with Bryce, the normal other dude that talks about stuff with me. How, you, Bryce? How you doing, dude? I am doing very well. How are you? I'm doing awesome, actually. I've been taking some vitamin B3 and uh, with my grounding mat. And dude, I'm sleeping like a rock. It's awesome. I'm getting so much sleep. I just feel amazing for once. That's Uh, good. Do you guys still use your grounding mat? Uh, We don't have a proper way to use it. Oh, okay. You don't have a grounding rod yet? Uh Uh-uh. Okay. I can show you where to buy one. But yeah, Yeah. honestly, dude, I've been feeling really good. Like I feel very rested and alert. So um, if you hear me slur my speech... That shouldn't be happening. I should be speaking <laughs> very clearly right now. <laughs> All that's right. just a defect. Yeah. <laughs> that's just a part of the fall. Um, okay, so we are hoping this evening to dive into the topic of the church fathers, something we haven't talked about much on the podcast of yet. Um, we, I mean, I think we've noted over the years Man, dude, I I think by the time this releases, this will be three years of the podcast, which is crazy. I've been doing this for three years, Whoa. and you've been doing it with me for three years. You've you've been the whole the whole way. Yeah, you're about to leave me out of that. Like I've been along for the whole. Dude, you were a team. I'm started. I'm your Sam. I'm Sam. I'm the Sam Wise to your Frodo Baggins. You are. You are. You've carried the burden of the ring, and I'm just the happy-go-lucky guy with the skillet. And then yeah. I'm gonna find some breadcrumbs on you one day. I'm gonna betray you. Oh wait, <laughs> that's not in the book. That ain't in the book. Yeah. Um, were you a teenager when we started this? <laughs> no, 
I don't know. I think you were just like really early twenties, dude. I am twenty four. Okay, so you would have been yeah twenty one. All right, so my own brother, and you don't even know my age. I forget sometimes, dude. Guys don't care about birthdays. That's for that's for women folk. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been I've never been good with birthdays. Um, Okay, so. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us, guys. Those that have listened, if you have listened for the past three years, awesome. Thanks for being with us. This is great. Um, it's been it's been really enjoyable. Uh, I absolutely love doing this, so I appreciate you guys listening. For those of you that do, so like I said, we'll be talking about the church fathers um, this evening on this episode. Um, this is just more of an encouragement episode. Um, Bryce and I have been introduced more and more, especially the past year to different bits of church history and understanding the church fathers, uh, reading books by them, um, reading quotes by them, seeing what they thought, um, thinking historically when we're coming in into new theology or being confronted with a theological topic. Um, so I know for the longest time, I was just concerned about what, a, you know, modern Christians thought, um, and I wouldn't really ever think to consult. Maybe the oldest would have just been the Puritans. That was probably as far back as I went. Um, and yeah, the longer I am going, um, I'm starting to want to go back further and further and further um, in church history. Obviously, I was reading the scriptures and I wanted to know what the what the Lord Jesus Christ said, what the Apostle Paul said. You know, of course that, but we're talking about the patriarchs, the early church. So um, any opening thoughts, Bryce, there? And kind of yeah, what's and, interaction with them. Yeah, quick disclaimer. So today I was at Half Price Books and I was trying to find some more books from some church fathers, you know. And in order to find the books, I had to go to the Catholic section. Yeah. Okay. So wow. here's a quick disclaimer. Just because we're talking about the early church father does not mean we're talking about some uh uh Roman popish bullcrap. That's not what we're talking about. Good point. Uh, we we absolutely despise uh, the Roman Pontiff. Uh, we decry all of his heresies. Um, so we're we're just talking about um, the rich history of Protestantism that goes all the way back to um, the early church. Um, so uh, I wanted to. In fact, you know, what? I should have. I should repent for this. I should have moved um, the early church fathers from the Catholic section. I should have moved them to the. Um, I guess there's not a Protestant there's not section. A Protestant section. It's just, just a Christian, yeah. Christian living. I guess yeah. the Christian living section. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what we're wanting to talk about today. Just the connectivity that we have uh, from the uh, you know the early Protestants to all the way back to the earliest that you can yeah. get the early church fathers. Exactly. So we're mainly just talking about the the first like five centuries after. Um, Christ's death. That's mainly what we're talking about when we refer to the church fathers. Yeah, exactly. I guess before we go that far back yet um, and talk about some of the stuff we've been reading there, um, I just read a book on the Waldenses, which was a pre-reformer group from 11th century, 10th century, all the way up to the Protestant Reformation. And they were believing all the things that the Protestant reformers were believing. They actually were being persecuted by the Catholics in um, the uh, mountain range in in Northern Italy well before uh, Geneva came around and Calvin and all them. And they actually, Calvin found out about them and 
called a meeting with them and had some of their pastors from the Waldenzies come out and and they were like articulating all their beliefs. And Calvin's like, whoa, you guys have been believing this for like hundreds of years. So I, I just make that point to say we can trace back Protestant theology very easily to many, many different groups that held the faith once for all delivered to the saints before yeah. the Popish people came in and completely marred it and distorted it. And the Waldenzies can trace back their lineage of who planted their church in those mountains in Northern Italy um, back to church fathers. And they had a Presbyterian church government. They had a reformed understanding of soteriology. Um, They were basically just Protestant through and through. And they were, they, they were planted. Their church was planted by church fathers. So It's it's pretty cool to read history and to see stuff like that. So check out the uh, history of the Waldenzies by J. A. Wiley. He was a Presbyterian guy from the 1850s in Scotland and wrote a wrote a history of that people group. And it's really really cool to see. Um, and if we had like a uh, a scripture verse that would kind of be the theme of what we're talking about, it's just the gates of hell won't prevail against God's church. God yeah. God has Christ has always had His kingdom in this world. Yeah. His kingdom will not be thwarted. His church will not be overcome. So we shouldn't think, oh, uh, you guys are talking about these people thousands of years before us. Of course, they were corrupted by the uh, the Roman, uh, uh, you know, soteriological system. Like, of course not. That is that is not true because wow. Christ promised us that the gates of hell will never prevail against His church. Exactly. So. Um, that's just a good understanding to work through when you look at when you're looking at church history, you're looking at a history of our brothers. Yeah, exactly. So it's that's just important to think through. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. That's that's the operating principle. It's not that church church councils can err, theological stands can err, and maybe parts of the visible church can definitely err. But like you said, Bryce, we need to look at church history and find that vein of true Christendom always uh, pumping blood from the heart of Christ, I guess, in a sense. It, it's yeah. going to be running through the whole way, and there's always going to be a lifeblood in the church. Um, right. So it's just beautiful. So this episode, um, we want to encourage you to start digging into history a little bit, and um, specifically the church fathers. So Bryce and I have been kind of honing in on St. Augustine of recent. Um, I know Bryce was reading some Justin Martyr um, I mean, there's still so many other names we need to start diving into, but um, how has that been for you, Bryce, uh, diving into some of these guys? Yeah, it's been very enlightening. Um, one, yeah, I've been, you know, kind of taught the lie that the early church father is just, it's a bunch of blind people uh, trying to figure stuff out. Um, yeah. Not very robust, um, very simplistic. And in a sense, they are simplistic. Um but at the same time, they are very thoughtful. Oh, yeah. Like they were people who were thinking through um, Christianity. You know, yeah. they were the the first reformers. They were the first um, people working through major great doctrines. Um, you know, the rich heritage that we have, even of our language of like Trinity, um, uh, the history of that comes all the way back to Nicaea or the eternal generation of the sun goes back to origin. Yeah. Um, like, so yeah, as I've read through, I've read through um, everything I can find on Justin Martyr. I've read a decent amount of Tertullian, Ignatius, Irenaeus. Um, and as I've been going through it, I've just been confronted with 
The number one reality is these were people who loved Jesus, who yeah. loved his gospel, yes. um, were willing to not only like when they were writing their theological work, it was really in complete defiance against um, either one um, decrying that Caesar is not Lord, Christ is Lord, and yeah. that his gospel prevail, or two, writing against uh, her- heretics who were coming into the church and trying to distort that gospel message. Yeah, uh, That's why the Nicene Creed says, who for us men and for our salvation came down and was born of the Virgin Mary, right? Because that's the whole, the whole theological focus of all their ministry was salvation was brought to us. The incarnate Christ, the Logos, the Word made flesh came down and yeah. God uh, saved his people. Um, so, yeah, I think that's just been the most astounding reality is just yeah, they were people who were completely – in love with um the gospel and that it entirely transformed that they were legit pagans worshiping pagan gods and now they're christians i know yeah it's it was it's it's been beautiful um so i i still have a lot more reading to do um ignatius's epistles were great um the first pope you know quote unquote pope clement um read his epistle uh, a few of his epistles, and uh, those are great too. Uh, the, the pastoral counsel of these men, like you said, they loved the gospel of Jesus Christ. They loved God's people, and they were they they have the, the advice is not um, it hasn't aged poorly. When you read these men, you're greatly greatly encouraged. Um, they do understand God's word at a high level, like you said. They weren't idiots they were thinking through and properly on so many topics that we need to learn from that we need to get back to our roots on um so every christian ought to read the church fathers one point i wanted to make tonight um, in this conversation is just how accessible they are Uh, we were talking a little bit beforehand about um the puritans are way more difficult and inaccessible to the average person the average christian than the church fathers are um i think any christian even if you're um, just a run-of-the-mill evangelical that goes to a megachurch, um, you, you can pick up um, these church fathers with ease, I'd say. It'd be, it'd be kind of a shock for you to read some Puritans. It'd be difficult to get through. But, man, we have some great translations now of these works of these, these church fathers. Um, everything I've read from Augustine or any of, uh, like I said, Clement or Ignatius, very easy to understand. Um, very good advice, sound, logically articulated. And they were, they were using, um, they were trained rhetoricians. They were trained logician, logicians. They they could argue in a really coherent manner that what it is very, I, I'm going to be honest, it was very easy to understand. It wasn't super difficult. Um, yeah. I would kind of say Calvin's a little bit more difficult than some of the church fathers. Uh, I think Calvin's pretty clear, but when I'm reading the Institutes, slightly harder, I would say. It's yeah. a, it's a tier well, up in terms of yeah, and that's probably because he has like he's writing a systematic theology, and most of the stuff that we've read so far is not yeah. a systematic theology. Yeah, they're epistles. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Christian living stuff. So you're right. Like the style, the genre is going to be different there with the systematic. Um, yeah. 
but, but I mean, Calvin's kind stuff of, the Christian life is easy. On the Christian oh, yeah. life stuff is easy to understand. Yeah. I mean, honestly, all of it flows out of their view of – they had a very high view of the word being made flesh. They love John chapter 1, and I see that cited constantly when I'm reading them. Um, their theology of the Logos, it reconciles all these different issues going on philosophically, and we don't have to get into that. But their notion that the the logic of God – becoming flesh and incarnate actually is the revelation of God. So because of that theology they had, I mean, if they're going to exposit God's word, it must be revelatory. Yeah. Like Jesus didn't come for the highly astute in the ivory tower. Man, Jesus came for your common uh, shepherd, your farmer. He came for um, literally, he literally came for all men. So yeah. because of that, they had this notion that when you're revealing and opening up God to the people, you open up God simply. Yeah. Uh, and I just like that really flows through their writings. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of been part of mine. Yeah. No, I agree. And they, what they're, what they're doing is being trained rhetoricians in the context they were in Rome. You had a lot of people called, um, they were sophists or they practiced sophistry, right? They wanted to sound really um, high and lofty, you know, it was, it was sophistry. Um, but what the Christians are doing is the, the logos is coming down in Christ. And like you said, it's, it's foolishness to the world, but it's, he's the wisdom of God. And they were synthesizing in a sense, those, hard to reconcile truths that we're, we're good, right? We need rhetoric. We need logic. We need reason. Those are good things, but how do they come down to the common man? It's through Christ, through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, and they were tapping into that. And I guess that's a little teaser, I guess, to how they're reconciling some of those philosophical conundrums, but it is beautiful. And I think that's why they're easy to understand because they under, they understood in that context, um, that's one of the central labors is displaying Christ as that true logos um, to right. the people. So, well, and something, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, no, yeah, you're, you go. Something else that comes to mind is uh, Spurgeon wrote this little book called um, Why I'm a Calvinist. And in it, he says that Calvinism is a, a golden thread that goes from him back to Calvin um all the way back to Augustine, which leads back to the apostles and back to Christ. And essentially what he's getting at is, um, you know, we can leave the Calvinism portion out of it. All good doctrine, if it's good and if it's true, it has been the doctrine that's been handed down from the apostles. So when you have like a rich understanding of the way uh, church history works, you're looking at not really the development of, of doctrine over time, but you're looking at either the handing down of doctrine or the discovery of doctrine. Yeah. And like, there has been nothing that I've read in Calvin or any Puritan, anything from John Owen that isn't already there when I'm reading the original. And that's part of the beauty of it because it's the same doctrine, but it's understood within a different context. Yeah. So like, you know, when, you know, when you and I came to faith, we were, you know, largely in the Calvinistic tradition. 
And it was very like, hey, you need to go read the Puritans, which is good. You should read the Puritans. The Puritans are phenomenal. But we only got that contextual understanding of the of the uh, of Calvinistic doctrine of Reformed theology. Yeah, right. But when you read read it all throughout church history, I know uh, it just really puts a different light on it. Like I just read Augustine's On Grace and Free Will. Uh huh. It's amazing. <laughs> it like it just threw me like. Like it just goes to show when Calvin's working through, you know, his high understanding of predestination, um, man's free will and responsibility, um, the grace of God that intervenes to redeem man from his total depravity. Like he's doing it from a totally different context. Yeah, like he's doing it against contra the the popish doctrine, right? Showing them how they're false yeah. and they're distorting the grace of God. Um, yeah. But or, Augustine has a completely different, you know, he's in a different area. So it just really puts it in a new light. Um, and yeah. some practice when I, whenever I have the privilege and opportunity to preach, I will always use commentaries from every single period throughout church history because it really just puts a text in its proper light. Yeah. It helps me to understand it in its fullest meaning when I'm looking at it from all throughout church history. Um. So yeah, it's just cool seeing that thread. Yeah, of good doctrine. The succession as Baving, Herman Baving puts it, not the succession of um, popes or the succession of uh, bishops or the succession of pastors, but it's the succession of doctrine. Yeah, has been handed down to us. Yeah, it's so beautiful, very cool. Yeah, yeah I it, well, I think Calvin's a good instance of that kind of reforming and recapturing but i'm kind of think I, I in my mind i was thinking luther versus erasmus right like you yeah. had you yeah. had luther is just getting all of this from uh augustine and erasmus yeah. erasmus has deviated you know what i mean from yeah augustinianism you know kind of awkward right you know you're supposed to be catholic <laughs> you know and, and you love the church fathers and when i read on grace and fruit i actually read that last year that was i think i think that might be one of the first books i ever read from church church father and um i read that last year and yeah i kind of walked away with the same thing um where you have this birth perfect balancing act of well like he keeps going on over and over in that book augustine about we have all these texts about god commanding us to do things so, you know, we need to still weigh, although God's working and willing in us to do these things that we still have a responsibility. And I love that. Like he just, I guess it goes back to what you were saying. They they were really highly considering these things. They weren't idiots that were just falling into stupid teaching. They weighed the scriptures. They're quoting scripture ad nauseum. Um, the amount of scripture quoted in that on grace and free will is insane in that little tiny volume. Um, and the way he takes truths that are very clearly there in scripture, like commands to do something. Therefore you need an act of the will to do something. Um, right. But then he balances it perfectly with all these other texts that make it very clear. God has to regenerate the will and make the will willing right. um, to do these things. Um, That's where he has that great line, command what you will and will what you command. Like yeah. so helpful. <laughs> you know, it's like literally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the arts, our sufficiency doesn't come from us, but exactly. we have obedience because he quoted this all the time from Paul. Uh, our obedience comes from God's mercy. Yeah. So, right. yeah. But it goes to show, like, tell me what you think about this. This just came to my mind. You have all these guys nowadays who will subscribe to doctrine. They'll say, 
oh, I'm a Calvinist or I'm reformed. Yeah. And they'll start saying things that is not reformed. They'll start saying stuff like, oh, like, I don't believe in free will. It's like, okay, well, then clearly you're saying you're a Calvinist, but you've never read anything about Calvin, clearly. Calvin would disagree with you. And then clearly you've never read anything about Augustine, which is where Calvin's getting all, you know, his theology from. So, like, you kind of have this notion of, like, subscription to theology without actually believing in it. Yeah. Right. It's like the faith without works is dead principle, even in what you believe. Like it's people who are just subscribing to all these doctrines without even understanding what they even mean. Exactly. No, I agree. Like, what do you think about that? No, I, I totally agree with you. Um, it's it's that critique of the young restless reform, the oh, you hear some teacher that's charismatic teaching something, you like it. You see it a little bit in the scripture, but you don't labor to actually understand what God's word is saying about that. Um, and I think a part of it is in that last uh, blog, uh, blog article I read about the grace of lending an ear, about why it's important to listen as a Christian and why we need to cultivate listening. And part of listening is reading. You need to listen to what Augustine said. You need to sit under his tutelage and listen to him and listen to Calvin. These are the guys that pulled a lot of weight for you to even have the opportunity to believe in Calvinism, right? Um Obviously, they, they pulled a lot of weight to deliver that, to keep that going down. Like like you said, the succession of doctrine, like Babbing said, they're pulling yeah. the weight. So you need to go back to the, yeah, Apostle Paul, the scriptures, but you need to see how these men have labored for this and argued for it over time, rather than just, like you said, just assenting to some title. Um, and I think, I, I, really, I really do think it's an aversion to listening. We don't sit down and listen. We don't sit down and put the work in that it takes to read. Like we hate to read. Um, we're, we haven't cultivated that in, in, in America and in the West. We are, we're fools now and our educational system actually dissuades people from reading, like reading old, old stuff that you think is going to be too hard to understand. But when you, like we've been saying, you pick up the church fathers, they are easy to understand. You can do it. I'm encouraging you right now, listening, you literally can do it. You can, you can get on LibriVox. It's a free audiobook platform and there's lots of church fathers on there and you can listen to it and you can understand it. It's not over your head. Um, If you can understand the word of God, you can understand these guys. Um, So. And on that note too, like the society that we live in and where we're headed is a product of illiterate men. Like we have so many men nowadays who are not well read. And it's because of that that we have all these people who are stupid. They don't know political theory, so our politics suck. They don't know good logic, so they're unable to adequately like equip their children yeah. to fight against the onslaughts of modernism and postmodernism, especially. Yeah. So we just being illiterate doesn't mean that you're incapable of reading. Being illiterate means that you're not a, you're not willing to do the reading. That's what being illiterate is. Yeah. Um, I saw this funny video one time where there was just like like 18-year-old kid. It's like one of those red pill things. This 18-year-old kid <laughs> was uh, like doing this interview with like all these different like uh, OnlyFans girls or something like that. I don't even know what it was. And he called them a bunch of uh, illiterate women. He's like, he says something like, I didn't know I was going to be on this interview with these illiterate women. And she's like, what do you mean? I can read. And he says to her, he says, name 10 books, name 10 books. 
<laughs> maybe 10 titles with two 10 books. That's funny. Books. And dude, she couldn't do it. She literally couldn't do it. She didn't know 10 times. just goes to show, like, that's the issue at hand. Being illiterate does not mean you can't read. It means you're unwilling to read. You yeah. haven't, you don't, you don't read. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's the same thing with, yeah, you know, that different rabbit trail, but that's just very important for the thriving of civilization. It is. It is. Edu- being an educated uh, populace is the way that you get away, away from tyranny. Yeah. A tyrant loves stupid people. And <laughs> yeah. Literally, they do. They do. They a a bully likes stupid people, you know? Exactly, yeah. And it's the same thing with these false pagan churches. They don't want you to know good, true doctrine. They just want your money. Dude, did you see that? Um, <laughs> Carter put it in the chat, but the uh, – the Super Bowl mega church thing where they kicked a Bible in service. <laughs> they punted a Bible into the crowd. Did you see that? See, yes. like, that's what we're talking about. It's like yeah. that church, obviously, nobody in that in that congregation, and neither is the pastor reading actively like good stuff that's supposed to be read. <laughs> They're like punting Bibles on stage, dude. I that my jaw dropped. I told Candace, or I showed Candace that, and she was like, are you kidding me? Is that real? Is that a joke? No, like that was straight up a church service. They punted a Bible. If only Will Smith was in the crowd that he could get up and smack that pastor. <laughs> oh man, dude. Yeah, that's crazy. Um yeah. so let's just be a reading people. And yes, we we're people of the book capital T. The scriptures are the foundation of our knowledge, God's revealed word. And then out from that, we have all these things because we're sub-creators. Humans are sub-creators. And there's so many good things humans have sub-created based on the word, the logos, the mythos of Christ, right? Um, So there are books worth reading. The church fathers have written a lot of them. And there's some modern people worth reading. And there's some Puritans worth reading. There's some medieval guys worth reading. Um, There's all sorts of stuff you can read out there. So we're we're big advocates of just being well-read. Um, and I think, I think Lewis has some good advice for every one modern book, you know, read two old ones. Um, I think that's good advice. Um, yeah. Pick up an old book, you know, pick up a real old book. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Bryce? And, you know what? If you're getting into it, like you're not going to understand everything the first time you read it. And that's, that's fine. fine. That's fine. Yeah. You don't like I, there has never been a single book that I've read. And I finished it and I said, I understand everything he said. I yeah. understand his whole argument. Exactly. You know, so that's not the goal. It's not necessarily to understand everything. It's sanctification. It's slowly growing over time. Yeah. It's forming you. Yeah. Uh, some things that form you, you don't even, you're not even intellectually ascending to it. You're just kind of the way people live around, right? You just need to put yourself in situations where you're being rubbed off on in a good way. Yeah. God, God works right. in those things. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, go read some church fathers. Um, Bryce and I will keep reading with you. Um, you're always welcome to go on my sub stack and I have a reading list there and you can see as I read church fathers, you can see what I read with the church fathers and I'm, I'd love to talk about it. Um, so if you want some good books, uh, I hope I'm reading good books. I'm trying my best to select good books. So go on, go on my reading list and read with me, see some of the things I've read and, um, and yeah, join me, uh, join Bryce and I, as we read read more and we want to invite you guys into that thanks guys for listening 
to the King of the Ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Soli Deo Gloria. <laughs>